Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. We've had him here several times in the past, and uh, during the day is Cody Mayo, uh, which he's been here as well, and so that'll be great, and your children, of course, will be taken care of as well, amen, and so it's basically three camps in one, that's the way it always, or I say always has been for the past several years, three camps in one, and so go be a part of that, amen, amen, amen. Uh, years ago during, and it's probably one of the less popular wars because there's a lot of... Uh, ambiguity surrounding why it took place or happened in Vietnam War, uh, and even some of those that were in it really don't even have sometimes a grasp of what the totality was of their purpose, but there were many things, of course, that they carried in war, and one of the things that they carried was a 28-pound mine detector. Uh, some guy was denoted to carry that mine detector among everything else that he had in, on in a field, his artillery, his ammo, uh, his, his gear and fatigues and so on and so forth, a 28-pound mine detector. And it was for the purpose for all of those little mines that was in the field that as they was walking through that they might step on and then boom, you know, and so it was to help detect that. But they, they found out that they weren't very, weren't very, uh, accurate or maybe accurate isn't the right word they weren't very dependable because of the war there was already so much shrapnel in the earth that some things it picked up on were mines other things that were picked up on is where mines had already exploded so much shrapnel on the earth that they're carrying it so in essence they're supposed to be carrying it for their safety but in reality they're just carrying it for a sense of safety and uh, they might have been able to just do without it because there would be false pauses. So they did it more, Sister Margaret, for a sense of safety. This morning we're going to talk about forgiveness because there's some things that we carry in this life just for a sense of safety. Grudges. Not forgiving. Just for a sense of safety. So I want to turn to Matthew chapter number 6 today and verse number 12. Just one verse there out of the Lord's Prayer that we have been looking at for the past several weeks. Next week will be the last of the Lord's Prayer. Amen for us. And then we'll boom, be in Easter. All right. All right. The Bible says, Jesus says to his disciples, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I want to talk to us today about forgive us forgive us. Lord, I come to you this morning. I'm so grateful, Lord, for your goodness. God, your mercy and your grace. I pray, Lord, you're able to help us now, God, as we turn our attention again to the Lord's prayer. I pray, oh Lord, that it could help us. God, if we would identify, Lord God, with these words, Lord, they would be more than repetitious, but they would be a sense of attitude, a sense of, Lord, how we approach life. Lord, we'll not forget, Lord Jesus, to thank you and praise you, Lord, for what you accomplished, Lord, through this in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that we pray, amen, of the church, amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning in Jesus' name. Before we can really come to this point of time, more than Christ instructing his disciples to pray, forgive us our debts, before we can truly and honestly pray this petition, these phrases of the Lord's Prayer, we must realize that we need to pray it. We need to pray it. Uh, before we can pray that uh, forgive us our debts and forgive us our debtors, we got to have a sense of our own personal sin, of our own personal transgression, of our own personal wrong. It's kind of like the statement sometimes that you hear used in churches that uh, before God can save some people, he has to get them to realize that they're lost. It's kind of the same thing. Before you can forgive, you got to realize that you're in a place that you need to forgive. And so with this prayer, and please note that it's still, it's still in the plural, forgive us, not just forgive me, but forgive us. So in that, we also recognize this when we say forgive us. We understand we're not the only one that have done wrong, but those around us have done wrong too. So we're among a company of people. We don't stand alone. 
We stand together in fault, failure, mishap. We don't shine any brighter than anybody, nor do, are we any less bright, might I say, than someone else. So nowadays uh, in society, sin, sin isn't a popular word. Sin's not a popular word in the world. Sin's not even a popular word in the church. I'm just pausing for effect. Uh, men and women would rather, would rather resent being, being called or treated or uh, spoken of as being a sinner. But the trouble is, is that, that that was our rite of passage coming into the world. We were born as sinners. David said that he was shapen in iniquity and in sin did his mother even conceive him. And so that if there's one if there's one thing of commonality that we all have that's been born of a woman, which I don't know if anybody's been born of anything else, but been born of a woman, and that is we all have the common thread that we are born into this world as sinners. But the problem is sometimes we have the wrong concept of sin. Uh, we would maybe readily degree, uh, agree here this morning that a, a burglar or perhaps a, the, the a consistent alcoholic or drunkard or the murderer or the adulterer or you can add several more after the comma, right? Amen to that list. We would say, well, that person for sure without doubt is a sinner, right? Because they're guilty of these particular sins, and there would be other people, though, that we say, well, they live decent lives and ordinary lives and respectable lives, and they've never been in danger of appearing in court because of burglary, or they've never been in court because of uh, a murder or anything like that. They've, they've not chanced going to prison or getting their names into the newspaper. <laughs> Amen, so and so forth. And so as a result of that, they have this feeling of entitlement that they they they... Sin has nothing to do with me. That doesn't apply to me. I've never been imprisoned. I've, I've never had the cuffs on my hands. I've never stood before a judge. And so that sin doesn't apply to us. However, I want to just review here just a little bit this morning a few different words that the Bible uses for sin. Uh, and there are several in the Scripture, uh, that words that are translated as sin in Scripture. A common word for sin in the Bible was originally a, a shooting word or a word that was used by a marksman and its meaning basically meant this, missing the target. It was what the word sin was derived from, from, from a marksman. It simply meant to miss the target was sin. That, that's how it interprets. To miss the target was sin. And so to fail to hit the target Amen, is what was translated into sin. Sin is a failure, failure to be, might I say, what we have been or what we could have been. So we missed the mark. Is there, is there anyone here that would, would dare to claim this morning that you are all that you might have been or you've done all that you should have done? We missed the mark. Here we are, a bunch of sinners. Huh? There's another definition of sin in Scripture. The second word for sin literally means stepping across. Stepping across. Sin is the stepping across the line which is drawn between right and wrong. Stepping across. Very simple. The third word for sin in Scripture is sin means slipping across. A little different from stepping across. Step is very intentional, right? Step is very intentional, but this is talking about slipping Across, Almost like uh, as you would slip on an icy road or, or a sidewalk or step, whatever, it's slipping. It's not deliberate as stepping, but it's a slipping across. Amen. And again, again, when we talk about slipping across, uh, we are swept away, if you will, sometimes by some impulses and passions that we have that momentarily gain control of us. Right? And, and we slip. We lose our self-control. We lose our self-control. And the best of us can slip into sin just for a moment of being off guard. That kind of blindsided me, and lo and behold, here I am. I didn't mean to be here, but it just there is a series of events that took place, and here I am. David said in Psalm 73 and 2, he said, But as for me, he said, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. So my steps said, well, he said, you know, David, I don't think he set out 
on the balcony with the intention of murdering a man. But he crossed the line to Bathsheba and he slipped into murder. You understand what I'm saying? It was just a spiral for David. The fourth word for sin means lawlessness. It is the sin of a man who knows the right yet absolutely does the wrong. The sin of a man who knows the law but who breaks the law. It's lawlessness. The fifth word for sin is the word used in the body of the Lord's Prayer that I read to you this morning and it means a debt. It means a failure to pay what is due. The failure to pay what is due. A failure in our duty to pay. There can be no man who will ever dare to claim that he has perfectly fulfilled his duty to man and more importantly to God because such perfection does not exist among us. Amen. And so the scripture encompasses something more here, of course, than just a financial obligation when it's speaking of sin here. It's using this term debt, amen, portraying a principle here that debt is an obligation that demands payment. And that isn't just monetary. Your payment may be forgiveness that you owe to somebody else. Amen. Sins, trespasses, transgressions, all those things can be labeled or under the umbrella of debts. They are all obligations that demand a payment. They are wrongs. They are injustices, amen, that need to be sought out to be made right. And, and the forgiveness of sins is the central problem in our lives. It's the central problem of all of these debts. Sin is a sense, as Isaiah said, of separation from God. It's the major tragedy of our human experience from the moment of Eden until now. Sin came and was a separator between God and man. And ever since then, the gap has tried to be bridged between God and man. Amen. So there will be that harming and that fellowship and that relationship with God again. The cross of Calvary is the bridge. The cross of Calvary is the bridge between God and man in order to take care of the separation that sin interjected into our lives. And so if we think we're not much of a sinner and that the offenses of other people, if, if they have offenses in their life and I have this, this prescription in my own life, I'm not much of a sinner, then whenever somebody else has an offense in their life, you know what's going to be to me? It's going to be like, man, look at that big sinner right there. When you see yourself that you're not or that you've not been or you don't have the capability of being, then everybody else's mistakes going to look large in your eyes. But when you have the right perception of being a sinner, their mistake, you see, could have just easily been your mistake. The Bible says... And this is the Amplified Bible concerning this same verse. The Amplified reads like this, and I don't have it up there, but the Amplified Bible reads, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven, and it, it, it kind of defines forgiven, forgiven, left, remitted, and let go of the debts and have given up resentment against. That's kind of a long verse. That little verse turned quite long. Amen. Given up the resentment against our debtors. Because to forgive is to let go, not arboring the hurt, right? Not arboring the hurt, not being judgmental of the action or the thought. The key to forgiving is letting go. This is, I, I've taught on forgiveness since I've been a pastor on several occasions. And it's always the same atmosphere that happens when you begin to talk about forgiveness. The underlying, the underlying image of forgiveness is that of releasing a prisoner. You can see that in Isaiah 61. It's that of releasing a prisoner. It's, it's letting go as of a debt of something that is you, that you feel is owed to you, but letting go and saying, nah, it's okay. You can see that in Deuteronomy 15. This is what the Bible says in Leviticus 16, verse 21. The Bible says, and Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over 
him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions. He has his hand on the goat, all right? He's confessing iniquities, transgressions of the nation of Israel, putting them up on the head of the goat. So it's the, the hands upon it, there's a transfer, right? Uh, Aaron is the high priest of the nation of Israel. He is being literally a representation for all the children of Israel. He has their names upon the stones that are on his shoulders and there's 12 stones upon his chest that has each name of the tribe. He is a representation of all Israel and he has his hands up on that goat and he's putting the iniquities and the transgressions of the people, amen, through this symbol upon this goat and the Bible says, and they shall send him, meaning the goat, away by the hand of the fifth man into the wilderness and the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities unto a land not inhabited and he shall be let he shall let go the goat in the wilderness so again this is this is very symbolic that the sins of the nation of Israel was placed upon the head of a live goat and then that live goat was taken by a fit man into the wilderness led away from the camp of the Israelites led away from the tabernacle and then it was let go into a land that was barren a land that was not inhabited it let that goat go never to be seen by Israel again typifying if you will an aspect of redemption in our own life and what Christ has did for us for the human race uh, putting away our sin never to be charged against the individual again but notice the fit man took it out there and then released it amen and our, our difficulty sometimes in what we call forgiving ourselves or forgiving one another is that we want to keep it. For various reasons, because we don't feel adequate or worthy enough for it to be released from us. Or we don't feel whoever's done something wrong against us are worthy. Well, should have brought a big hanky today. We'll feel a lot of sweat coming in. When when missionaries missionaries in northern Alaska, they were they were translating the Bible into the indigenous languages of Alaska, which there's several. They were they were translating them into the language of the Eskimos, and uh, they discovered there was no word in their language that seemed to properly translate the word forgiveness. And so, as they were translating the Bible into these languages, they just couldn't find an appropriate word that that these Eskimos could understand the true concept of forgiveness. And so they patiently spoke to many of these Eskimos and through listening and speaking, they discovered a word then that they would, or a phrase even rather, that they would be able to use in the translations of their Bibles so that it would properly convey the idea of, of forgiveness to these Eskimos. And the phrase that they come upon was this, and they, they learned this by talking to the Eskimos, not being able to think about it anymore. So in the Eskimo Bible, or again, there's several different languages in Alaska, but in their languages, the phrase that's in the Bible for forgiveness for them is not being able to think about it anymore. Because the Lord promised repentant sinners this in Jeremiah 31 and verse 34. It says, and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor every man his brother saying know the Lord for they shall all know me from the least of them even unto the greatest of them saith the Lord he says for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more no more now our brains they're just you know what between three to four pounds just a little gray matter but the dictator of your body right and I understand that our brains have the ability to record 600 memories per second. 600 memories per second. And believe it or not, those 600 memories that you could have recorded every second of your life until now, they are all still right here. You will not find a computer today that can do what your brain can do. The events of your life are etched there in your mind. Now, you forgot a lot of them, right? But they are there in your brain. They're there in your brain. And so you can forgive. And you say, well, Brother McGee, if they're all there, then how in the world, you know, I'm going to remember. Yeah, 
but you choose not to. I don't know how many times, I, I, I'm, not of the, I'm not of the persuasion where you need to for, forgive and forget. Well, it's there. But whenever it comes back to your remembrance, you can choose not to entertain it. You see that person, it's like, they did me wrong, but it's gotten all those feelings start welling back up. You know what you do? You're like, nope. I forgave them. And if it takes forgiving again in the moment, that's not denying that it ever took place, but that's just saying it's not going to control my life. Amen. It's not going to control my life. And so we need that. And so, yeah, forgetting it's a function of the brain. I wish, you know, I, sometimes if, if I don't feel like I have any control over that forgetting aspect, Brother Trout. There's some things, I, you know, I stand there for a moment, tap my foot, and tell my wife, said, just give me a moment. What are you doing? I'm trying to remember. Somebody's name, what I was getting ready to say. Some of you elders know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm just getting my foot in the pool, but it's happening. All those type things, it's a function of the brain. But forgiveness is a function of the spirit. Forgiveness is a function of the spirit. And so, just just kind of a... A side note, and I, I've, I'll say this till I die a thousand times, 1,101. Just a little words of, of instruction and warning from pastor this morning. If there is an offense between you and somebody else, at all possible, let that remain between you and that somebody else. Because the moment you start pulling this one in and that one in about whatever the offense is, and how bad that person was and how wrong they did you and the attitude that they had with you. <laughs> you're increasing. You're increasing the probability that that thing's going to be remembered. If not by you, by somebody associated with you. And when you've done good forgetting, they'll do good remembering for it. You may have already laid that thing to rest, but since you shared information, when this thing bubbled over, since you shared information, it's brought back, and what happens then? You thought you were over it, but now they brought it up, and all those feelings begin to bubble. Huh? And you start having a bad attitude toward the one, and this happened 10 years ago. You almost can't even talk to him now because what happened then that was brought back up to someone you told when it originally happened. Amen. Amen. So let, let your circle of offense be the circle of where the knowledge is, be the circle of where the forgiveness takes place. Amen. Offenses, offenses itself won't ruin you spiritually. But many times it's the constant, it's just kind of like a scab. If you leave it alone, it'll heal. Kids are horrible about it. You know, they get a scratch, whatever, it bleeds, it scabs over, and you see them over there whenever they're doing whatever, sometimes mindlessly, I get it, and they're doing this, or sometimes intentionally, and they're really, you know. And you're like, what are you doing? And saying, well, you know, itches. And they're picking. And before you know it, they pick that thing off, and it's bled again. And what do you tell them, Sister Trout? You keep that up. You're going to have a scar there if you don't leave it alone. If you don't leave it alone, your wound can turn into a scar. I'm going to bring it up again. Go talk about it again. Go get my feelings all ruffled over it again. What are you doing? Taking another layer off and it bleeds all over again got to heal then all over amen it will have adverse effects upon you it'll have adverse effects on your maturity in the lord it'll have adverse effects on your spiritual growth amen and here's the fact of the matter you do some of that stuff and some of the ones that affected you some of the ones that offended you you know what's going on they're going on with your life they're going on with their life, but you're not going on with yours because you can't forgive. 
They're having a, they're having a bang up time just living their life doing what they want to do. It's water off a duck's back, but you're not because you still got bitterness. You still got resentment. You still... Amen. So don't probe the wound because, I mean, years ago, and I know James Garfield, one of our presidents, he got shot and he died several months later and he actually died not because of the original shooting, but because of infection that came in the wound. Because there were so many doctors and different others that probed their finger into that spot where the, the bullet went in. They did this for several months. Try and get to it. It onset infection. The infection's what killed him. In other words, he probably would have lived if everybody just left it well enough alone. But it's because everybody's wanting to have their chance of putting their finger where the wound was at. Listen, I'm not standing in line here today to put my finger in your wound. Because that is not going to help you. And listen, it for sure doesn't do anything for me. Amen. So James chapter number 5, 16, let's go on, man. I feel like I'm dragging my feet. It's going to be a five-week series within a series. James 5, verse 16, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Isn't that something? Man, we, we'll preach. Man, we'll get up on top of the monitors and preach. Man, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. But we don't read it in the context in which it was said, do we? Confess your faults and pray for one another that you may be healed in the effectual fervent prayer. We're just thinking it's like a Monday morning thing. Oh, thanks for thinking it's a, you know, a prayer hour coming up on Thursday. Oh, thanks for No, no, no. Be effectual in your prayer for healing with conflict with one another. Wow. Wow. And so our circle of confession, again, should be no larger than our circle of offense. I, I don't want to drag everybody into it, you know, with two or three involved into it. And they're affected and... You know, because when I do that, then if I draw other people and I say, you know what, Brother Brother James was so bad to me the other day. He lifted his voice. He's pointed his finger at me. He said some things, bad things. Brother Pat, he said some things he shouldn't have said, blah, 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 blah. Give me a few days, maybe even 24 hours. I'm over with it. But now Brother Pat's upset because James did that to his pastor. And he might hold on to it for longer than I will. And I presented then an offense in his life he'd never have to dealt with if I just dealt with it myself. In essence, that's a little bit sowing discord among the brethren. Amen. I understand humanity. Listen, I understand humanity. Everybody wants to be consoled when they're hurt. Everybody wants an advocate. And humanity really wants somebody to say, you did right. There's an exit door right over here. I'll just be no. And so that's why many times we reach out. And listen, folks, it is hilarious. I, I mean, whenever it's not happening to you, it is hilarious. But I shouldn't be telling you this, but the other day, I don't tell anybody else. Well, you are human and they are human. You just said it. Don't, don't look at them later whenever someone else finds out because they would have never had the information to tell if you had not told the information to begin with. So you will persecute them over something you couldn't even keep yourself. Man, I feel like I'm doing a lot of meddling or something here today. I don't know what's going on. Forgive us our debts. <laughs> So we forgive our debtors. Amen. You know, the best example of that when you get other people involved and they have issues is parents and children. Best example. Best example. Johnny and Susie out in the playground, you know, he pulls her hair, hits her, whatever goes on. Parents around, they go out there. Within minutes, folks, I'm talking about minutes. Johnny's pushing Susie on the swing. 
but the parents are totally in separate corners and they're not having play dates for three months. Y'all had children know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, we get to be that just like that in the church. When we involved other people, a lot of times those that have the issue, it's all settled and done. And all the rest of us that are bystanders are like, well, I can't believe they. Brother Malone did that. Stay in your lane. <laughs> True forgiveness. I've got to keep track of time here today. True forgiveness. Resist. Unnecessary embarrassment. True forgiveness resists unnecessary embarrassment. We look at the story of Joseph, youngest at that time of his father, anointed of the Lord, appointed. He was sold into slavery. He was lied on by Potiphar's wife, suffered uh, unjust imprisonment, forgotten by the butler for two years. Then he arose, Sister Margaret, the second in command under Pharaoh. Famine, of course, according to Genesis, struck the land, the lands of his family where his family dwelt. And Joseph goes out of his way to protect them from needless humiliation and needless hunger. He dealt with them. Notice, he knows those brothers are the one that put him in the pit. He was there. You know what I'm saying? He was treated wrongly by his own brethren. Amen. But notice, when he dealt with them, he talked to them privately. He put all the other Egyptians, those under his command, outside of the room, and he dealt with them privately. For that matter, we have no indication in Scripture where Joseph spread the offense of what his brethren had did to him throughout Egypt. Amen. It's not as though he went blabbing to Egypt about every infraction and every wrong that his brothers did to him. Amen. And so it's good to try to keep our infractions as well that are toward us as confidential as possible if our hearts are right. Look what Joseph says in Joseph 45 and 1. All right. It says, Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him, and he cried, Calls every man to go out from me. He was just leaving his brethren there. And there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. He told them who he was. I'm your brother. I'm not just this man in command. I'm the one that you threw into a pit. Now, note, note as you look at the story of Joseph, a little later you see Pharaoh, this great, this great, uh, dictator this great power of the the empire of Egypt that Pharaoh has his servants that the Bible says that they were pleased to hear that Joseph's brethren amen were going to come to Egypt said they were glad that Joseph's brethren were going to come to Egypt and the Bible even says that Pharaoh and his servants made provisions for them to get to the land of Goshen now I'm just throwing this out there because Joseph is second in command to Pharaoh. They have a relationship, a good relationship. I don't know if Pharaoh would have been as accepting, accommodating for those boys, those brothers of Joseph had Joseph tarnished tarnished the image of his brothers in this great power of Pharaoh's eyes. But we have no record that Joseph did that. And so Pharaoh is accommodating. Pharaoh is kind to help them to get to Joseph because there's nothing in his spirit that says I have any reason to have a foul attitude toward these boys. And the reason why that's the case is because Joseph never opened his mouth. He's able, he's able to be kind and compassionate, whatever way he could help, because Joseph never said a word about what they did to him. I, 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 I try to stand pretty, uh, and I fail sometimes, no doubt, but I, you can ask my wife, I try to stand pretty, pretty rigid along these lines that it is not my responsibility to tarnish the image of somebody else in another person's life. 
It's not my responsibility to take something that Fred McGee that was wrong done, whatever, and take that and tarnish his image in somebody else's eyes. It's not my responsibility. If they learn of it, if they, well, however they come about it, it's not go, I don't want it to be because Paul McGee did that. They might not even know Fred McGee, but I've already given them a quote-unquote definition of Fred McGee by my word. See, they might not know Fred, but they know you, and they trust you, and they trust your words and your confidence, so what you say is gold. Amen. Someone say amen. Pharaoh's taking them to Goshen. He's providing provisions for them to get to Goshen. Because evidently Joseph never spoke any words about that. So again, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. C.S. Lewis said this years ago. He said, we all agree, and this is such a uh, powerful and and pertinent statement. We all agree that forgiveness is a beautiful idea. It's a beautiful idea until we have to practice it. It's like, in theory, that's, yes, forgiveness, until we have to practice it. So this portion of the prayer gives us responsibility. It makes us the key, if you will, to the forgiveness we ask God to give us. Do you realize that? Forgive us our debts as we, are the important words, as we forgive our debtors. The word as there in the verse denotes a likeness or a similarity. In other words, let, me for, let my forgiveness from you, Lord, this is the request of the prayer, let my forgiveness from you, Lord, be like or similar to how I have forgiven other people in my life. God's infinite wisdom arranged the pattern, the prayer like this so that a person could not request forgiveness without granting forgiveness. Listen, and I'm not talking about this here. Please note, this is not talking about the original forgiveness that comes from God when you first come to the Lord as a sinner. It's not talking about that original forgiveness. Remember, this is a prayer that he gives us to disciples. These are already followers. These are already people like that. This is forgiveness, that daily forgiveness that we need, that daily repentance that we ought and should practice, that maintenance, if you will, of forgiveness that we are talking about in our life. In those mere words, forgive us, even if the other words did not follow those mere words forgive us we are securing forgiveness for ourselves when we say forgive us and we are extending forgiveness to anybody who may have wronged us if we're saying us forgive us and truly in those words you cannot be forgiven unless you forgive it's more than asking the forgiveness of God for everyone It's us granting them forgiveness as well from myself to you. One translation says, forgive us, forgive us our sins in proportion as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Our forgiveness of our fellow man and the forgiveness of God, God's forgiveness cannot be separated. They're interlinked. They're interdependent here in the scripture, of the Lord's prayer, Mark 11 and verse 25. And when ye stand praying, forgive. If ye have aught against any, that your father also, which is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. But if ye do not forgive, neither will your father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Whenever you read, I believe it is in uh, either 1st or 2nd Corinthians, a verse that we oftentimes like to grab is a verse that says, we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. We love it. We kind of, we do a cherry pick though. We grab it. We're not ignorant of Satan's devices. If you read the verses before that, you know what it's talking about? It's talking about a spirit of unforgiveness, unforgiveness. So when it says that we're not ignorant of Satan's devices, the device it is talking about is the device of unforgiveness. <laughs> Someone say amen. So if you pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors while refusing to forgive those who have wronged you, 
this prayer, which was meant to be a blessing, becomes a self-inflicted curse. Because in that case, you're really saying, God, since I've not forgiven my brother, please don't forgive me. Someone say amen. So why should we forgive Brother McGee? Well, we need to forgive. For Number one, you're never more like Jesus than when you choose to forgive those who've sinned against you. From Luke 23, 24, and we'll be looking at in days to come, no doubt. Amen. As we focus our minds upon Eastern Resurrection Sunday, the Bible said, then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, right? For they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast his lots. He's on the trees, being crucified by these individuals, falsely accused. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Let's look at something. Let's look something concerning Jesus' forgiveness right here from the cross. Let's consider this. Jesus forgave them when they weren't repenting or asking for forgiveness. We get in our minds, I can't forgive them because they didn't, they didn't say they were sorry. They didn't ask for forgiveness. I, I can't forgive them because they didn't ask for forgiveness. I can't forgive them because they, they didn't say they were sorry. Christ proves you can forgive even before they ever ask for it. Yeah, uh-huh. You can forgive him before they ask for it. And so he forgave them. And look at this. I mean, he kind of goes a step further. He says, for they know not what they do. He even excuses them. It's like, well, maybe they just didn't, you know, they didn't know what they were doing. Amen. Let's turn to Romans chapter number five. Romans chapter number five and verse number seven this morning. Allow me to turn there in my Bible here. Romans five and verse number seven. The Bible says, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet preadventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he stated those words, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Forgiveness was granted on Calvary. Here's the important part, okay? I can grant forgiveness to Brother Malone. I really want to. <laughs> we didn't have anything, by the way, <laughs> over the past week. <laughs> In case, you know, there's those other people too. Oh, he's joking, but I bet he's serious. There's some. I can grant forgiveness to him even without him asking. But he will not receive the forgiveness that I've extended until he has repented. It's there, it's available, but it's not his till he repented. See, God already granted forgiveness from Calvary forward. But you weren't a recipient of that until you found a place of repentance. Amen. And so, man, I, I want to, well, why in the world, why, why do it ahead of schedule? I'll tell you why. I want to get that burden off my shoulder. Huh? I want to go on and be able to live life without hanging over me. Let it hang over him, the forgiveness, until he repents. But I want to get that off my shoulders. Amen. I, I, you know, repentance, repentance didn't prohibit God from granting forgiveness. Because they didn't ask for it, that didn't keep him from giving it. It just kept them from receiving it. Someone say amen. Amen. And so we, we do this. Because, again, our debt or our obligation, it creates, our debt creates an obligation. It's going to happen. It demands a payment. And someone say, someone always has to pay. When there's a debt and there's an obligation, someone always has to pay. Whether it's the bank. You hearing me? If you want to talk about financial ways. Whether it's the bank. Or the one that took out the someone always has to pay. You know what forgiveness is? You got a debt to me because you you created some offense. Sister Sarah's got a debt to me because she created an offense between us. 
But you know what? You know what forgiveness says? You owe that debt. But I'm going to forgive you and say, don't worry about it. I'll pay it. Huh? You ever loaned money to somebody? And I said loaned. They're supposed to pay back. And your loan on your end became what? A gift. You know what you did? I'll pay. That's right. Amen. And so someone always has to pay. We forgive because forgiveness, listen, forgiveness is the only way to truly settle the debt. Forgiveness is the only way to truly settle the debt. Sometimes there is no other way because sometimes the other individual doesn't have the means. You hearing me? They don't have the means to make it right. You you know, they don't have the means to set things straight and you can't beat a dead horse. There's people in the soil right now, dead, that they can't make right some of the debts that are still in existence between someone that's living. You know what needs to happen? The living person has to forgive. They got to pay the obligation. Amen. And listen, you say, well, Brother McGee, if I forgive them, I'm letting them off the hook. Right? That low down, good for nothing, double cross, but he be up and all the other edges are thrown in there. If I do that, I let them, they did wrong. They did. They did. But you're not letting them off the hook. You're letting yourself off the hook. Because how do, why do you want to spend the rest of your days mulling over in your mind everything that they did wrong to you? You're not letting them off the hook. You're letting yourself off the hook. Because resentment, by definition, is really a form of attachment. It's easy to forgive someone who has not hurt you deeply, but the trial of forgiveness is responding to the ones who have wounded you terribly. And you let yourself off the hook when you do it. It's kind of like the old story talking about the bird feeder that the person put up, and there were all kinds of birds at the bird feeder, and they were eating, man, bringing down uh, the, 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 the bird feed in the container, and the owner kept on having to fill it up. And all of a sudden, one bird among all the others started getting domineering about the bird feeder. And it would set up in the perch of a tree. And as birds came to feed at the feeder, that bird would sweep down and, and chase them off and go this way and that way. And then he would go back to his perch. And other ones would come down. He'd fuss with them and they'd leave and do all that. All those other birds knew what freedom was except for the one. He was bound to what he thought belonged to him. Couldn't fly anywhere. Couldn't do anything because he was bound to what he thought belonged to him. And we get bound up sometimes. They owe me this. They owe me that. They should be more considerate. You know what you're doing? You're the bird that's just going around and all your life is concerned with is what you have been done wrong by. And you're bound by it. No freedom. No happiness. Everything you talk about steers back to that. Hear me? I've been around those folks. You can't have a conversation without steering back to this one thing. Forgive us our debts. Stand with me. As we forgive our debtors. Forgiveness is a powerful tool. Is it difficult sometimes? Yes, it is. But when we understand it is actually liberating for us, it's healthy for us, it's not that they're being let off the hook, and we don't get in our mind, well, they haven't asked, and so I can't give. That's all baloney. You can. You can. Brother McGee, but sometimes when I see them, that comes back up. Forgive again. Forgive again. Don't go through the process of... This was the place, and this was the day, and the time, and the year, and this was the setting, and this is what was said. No. Just the moment it comes up, forgive again. Amen. Forgive us our debts as we forgive. Jesus says, disciples, 
So when you pray, pray after this manner. Because listen, they had their little, they had their little things among themselves. That just twelve people, right? They had their little things among themselves, in the greater population, so on and so forth. And they were going to need to learn how to practice the, the art of forgiveness in their lives. Can we bow our heads this morning, Father? I come to you today. Hallelujah, Jesus, God, Lord, let there be a strong spirit of forgiveness in the house of the forgiven. God, let there be a strong spirit of forgiveness in the house of the forgiven. I pray, oh Lord, today, God, I vie for, I desire, I hunger, Lord Jesus, for your forgiveness in my life today. But I understand, Lord, that's predicated greatly upon, Lord, the means and the way in which I offer forgiveness to my brothers and my sisters and others that I feel like there's been some type of wrong, Lord, or debt, God, that's been incurred. I pray, Jesus, today, God, watch over us. Help us, Lord, soften our minds, soften our hearts. Help us, God, not to go through this life carrying grudges and resentment and bitterness. I pray, oh God, help us not just be carrying things for a sense of feeling safe because we're really protecting ourselves by not forgiving. Lord, change, Lord, our attitudes. Change, oh Lord Jesus, our way of approaching these things and we'll not fail to thank you and praise you, Lord Jesus, for what you do in ministering in and through our lives Lord Jesus through this mode in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ I pray and the church says amen forgive us Lord forgive us Lord hallelujah come back tonight ministry madness here tonight brother James Malone come and be a part of that come early for prayer amen again if you have any questions concerning camp meeting you want to see brother Mason brother Jerry Mason amen and we're so glad to be here today shake hands with someone before you leave amen and you're dismissed in Jesus name thank you for listening If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.